GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Bitcoin ETFs are going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Jay back. Daddy is here. And he is with us. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call you moving forward as daddy. As I'm sure that's, well, I guess you're not hearing that yet, but in due time, you will hear that. But he's daddy to me now. Guys, we've got a great episode. We're going <laughs> to, we're talking all about threads, threads, Twitter, the mayhem going on with all things social media. We'll get you guys up to speed on what's happening there. Should you download threads? Should you use it? I was playing around with it all last night, so I'll let you know what's going on. Speaking of consumer apps, we're going to talk about some of the top consumer apps in 2023. This is Seed Club coming out with their big, I guess, sort of thesis to go along with their accelerator. So we'll explain some of their, I guess, pillars of what they think are the big apps coming in crypto. And then, of course, more news on Pudgy Penguins, as always. They're doing big things. And Moonbirds, the state of Moonbirds, Jay's greatest investment turned worst investment. We'll cover that. And of course, so, so much more. Before we do, let's start with some gratitude. Jay, I'm going to go first this time. And my gratitude is... Jay. Jay is back. We've got Jay, daddy here. I'm grateful to have you because, I mean, it was great to have the other co-hosts, Andrew and Rick. They were, they were awesome, but it's a lot of work to handle this on your own. You got to have all these tabs open. You got to have multiple screens. You got to be dealing with clicking the buttons and setting everything up in the background and also trying to get everything just set up in the, in the beginning is a lot. So it's nice to have you back so that we can share that. Thanks for being here, Jay. It's good to have you. Thanks, bro. It's great to be back. It's good to know that my uh, button clicking and screen sharing skills are well appreciated. We all play our role. We all play our role. I'm grateful for so many things these days. Grateful for baby Jack, but mostly I'm grateful for my dad had a very big health scare this week and I am grateful that he is stable and in good condition and as good condition as he could be in considering the situation. And most of that goes to the medical system in Canada. I'm super grateful to be in a country where we have free medical care and he was able to get to the hospital very quickly and the doctors are amazing and they've been taking great care of him. And as a result, he's still here on a path to recovery. So, so, so grateful to the doctors, St. John's Hospital in Vancouver. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Also grateful for that. We want good health and uh, all the best goes out to to your dad and of course to baby Jack. We're going to get a picture of baby Jack up here at some point, Jay. I don't think we've shown that yet. So it's soon enough we will get that. Okay. Before we get into the news for the week, we've got a couple things we want to talk about. First, Jay, if you want to share a screen, we've got to talk about a big thing we're doing right now for pro. If you have not turned pro in our newsletter, this is the Web3 Academy pro newsletter. Now's the time. We believe that we are entering a bull market. We've said it many times that this is the early stages of a bull market. Now is the time to be getting educated, getting allocated, and prepping for what's to come. To do that, the best way to do that is to go pro. And so we are helping everyone out today and for the next couple of days and giving a 33% discount to anyone who goes pro over the next couple of days. So if you'd like to go pro and join us by getting on-chain, weekly on-chain reports, pro events where you get to speak with myself and Jay and we do AMA sessions, as well as get an NFT, which is called a Pro Pass, which gets you access to perks and different benefits across the Web3 ecosystem, then sign up, 33% discount today. The link is in the show notes below. 
If you're watching this live on Twitter, you can find it on our pinned post on Twitter. But otherwise, if it's Spotify, YouTube, whatever, just look in the show notes and you'll see the link to GoPro there and grab yourself a discount. Okay. You're pretty good there. If you uh, grab Pro now and you take the lessons you're going to learn from going Pro and looking on chain, that you're going to more than make your money back in this next upcoming bull run. So, well, and it's uh, 33% off for lifetime too. So you don't get much of a better deal. What? Than that. For life? That's what I, I don't know. know. I said for three months and the team said, no, let's do it for life this time. Damn. So, guys, we're not doing that again. So, if you want to go pro, now's your time. And I'm telling you, during this bull market, you're going to need to be looking on chain. And that's exactly what we do for you. So, don't miss this one. You know what's not in a bull market right now? What's that? <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> yeah, Jay's going to do a quick market watch for us. And he's going to do it a little bit focused on, on NFTs because that seems to be still in the show at the moment. What's going on, man? And just an absolute market collapse in NFTs this week. Basically, the NFT market has been in a free fall for months. So let's not act like this is something new. But this past week, we really hit a nosedive, uh, which really was tipped off by Azuki. Azuki launched Elementals. They took 20,000 ETH in liquidity, which was a lot of liquidity within the NFT market, right? There was not a lot of money floating around the NFT market, you take 20,000 ETH over to one project, well, that moves a lot of money. And then that project reveals and people are upset and they don't like it. And that basically caused a bit of a contagion and an effect across the market because people started selling out on Azuki and then other people got scared and it just sort of snowballed. Yeah, everything is down bad right now. I think you could also point to all of the lending protocols as having an impact on the collapse when you have a lot of leverage within a market and then a collapse happens, then the volatility goes even further down because there's a lot of liquidation events and everybody's getting liquidated and it's pushing the market down further because there's just so many sellers. So there's sort of a bunch of factors, but here's the thing I think you should know. One is that we've been talking about this for a while. We've been saying 99% of NFT projects are going to zero. Kai, I feel like you've been saying that for over a year. Yeah, this shouldn't be a surprise to all of us. NFT projects, especially PFP projects, are incredibly risky investments. You're investing in a business before they even have a business. You're investing in a JPEG photo that you're hoping turns into the most popular metaverse in the world. It's so, so early. So it's not really a big surprise. Now, don't get me wrong, 1% will make it. There will be some NFT projects that become, I believe, some of the biggest IP companies in the world in the next decade, but that's a very small percent. Maybe you get that, maybe you don't. Here's what you gotta know is right now, should you be deploying capital in NFTs? Only the capital that you are willing to lose. Your 1%, 5% of your portfolio that you are taking a bet on and only in a project that you really believe in personally. Or that are involved in, right? Like yeah. that you use and like you're, you actually want to be in that community. Other than that, that's about it. The only other area I would say that I still, I still believe in, in NFTs as art or as collectibles. I still think that is an area of the market that has long-term 
it's long-term investment because you're not investing in a membership. You're not investing in a community. But with the current market conditions, I wouldn't be deploying my capital on NFTs. That's for sure. Well, the only thing I would say is like, this seems like the final washout. This happens a lot in cycles of, I mean, crypto and otherwise is when you're kind of in a bear market, you have this big washout. We had this in tokens back in like July, right? After all the big selling and liquidations of like Celsius and all that. And there's the big washout of fungible tokens and we like crashed like crazy. This seems like that. NFTs have been sort of like a delayed thing versus like the ERC-20s and just other currencies. And so it feels like they've hit that point. So if you are an investor in the space, then now would be the time to finally deploy capital. Mm -hmm. But again, like Jay said, this is its first cycle ever. You don't even know if it's going to come back for another cycle. When you're investing in Bitcoin, ETH, these things have been through so many cycles, you know it's coming back. These things, like you said, like we don't even know what they are and what they mean. There has been no successful of these previously. There is no successful metaverse yet. So like what these things even represent or are going to be a part of don't mean anything yet. So we just, it's extreme, extreme risky. So like, if the cycle comes back, now's the time to allocate. But like when it comes to PFPs for metaverses and games, like who knows, right? Even like you said, you're investing before they have a business. You're investing before they even have a business idea. We'll talk about Moonbirds in a sec. I mean, what people bought them for, that idea has completely changed. So like you don't even know what these things are. So yeah, it's tough out there. Thankfully, I didn't have many NFTs in my bag. Jay, I don't know that you can say the same, unfortunately. But uh, pain. Yeah, be careful out there, kids. Pain. Before we jump into threads and Twitter and what's going on in today's news, let's just take a minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens, to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Speaking of social, big launch coming out of Meta is Threads. Kai, you want to make sure that everyone listening is capitalizing on any new opportunities, so you spent some time on Threads yesterday. What's up? What do you think? Should we be moving over to Threads? So... I mean, unlike the ad you just heard where we talked about how the future of social media is here, I don't think that Threads is the future of social media. Now, that said, I do think there is an opportunity in Threads at the moment. So I used it just to give you an idea if you haven't touched it yet. It feels like, looks like the same as Twitter. Main difference, doesn't have DMs, doesn't have lists, doesn't have polls, doesn't have GIFs. And there's a bunch of features it doesn't have. Now it's new, right? So there's a roadmap, I'm sure, and it'll they'll bring out more things as they go. But it's pretty bare bones at the moment. The funny thing about it right now, so I went and spent a couple hours on it last night just for playing around. And most of the content that's on there is engagement farming. It's a bunch of people jumping over, doing everything they can to get followers. It feels a little bit like a hype cycle. 
right? Like just a bunch of everyone's even saying it's just a dopamine rush. Everyone's just follow for follow, doing everything they can to get, you know, some type of follower on there. So it seems a bit like it's like inflated engagement. When you post on there right now, if you're active, you'll get a lot of comments. But I don't think it's real per se. It's real people. It's just people are doing it and they're just commenting on everything at the moment because they're just trying to be first to get followers, which look, if this works out, it becomes a big thing. This is very smart, right? I was in there doing the same thing. I'm tweeting things or actually threading things, I think is the word. I don't know what the word is, but I don't reading. <laughs> I was in there doing the same and trying to engage. And I think it's smart to go in there and play around right now. One, just to like see what it's like. Two, if it does work out and it becomes a big thing, then you want to get a head start. You want to get a following, right? Gary V's there, of course. And, you know, he's saying this is an opportunity as well, which for sure it is. Here's the thing. There's no innovation versus Twitter. So for me, I just don't see how or why it would have staying power. I don't really understand why anyone would go there versus Twitter, especially if you already have a following, which people go to where the big creators are, right? Most people on Twitter are not tweeting. They're there to read Donald Trump's tweets or Elon Musk's tweets, like the big people, you know? A lot of those people are on on threads. So like I saw a lot of big names there and big news companies and stuff, but again, they're there just playing around. So in my opinion, I just don't see why people would switch from Twitter to there. Usually you need like a 10X innovation for people to like make moves and go do something else. Kind of like the iPhone from all the previous phones before it. That made people buy the iPhone and go somewhere new. You definitely don't have that on threads. Actually nowhere close. And if anything, it's even farther behind than Twitter. So I don't know. People are like, well, maybe it won't be as toxic there and stuff. And it's like, no, humans are going to do what humans do. And we're going to have the same interactions as you have on Twitter. I can guarantee that. I would challenge everyone to go check it out. If you do, I mean, follow me, Kyle.readhead. There's my quick show. <laughs> but I don't see why this becomes bigger or better than Twitter. The last thing I'll say is last night when I was playing around, Zuck tweeted, I keep saying tweeted, he threaded out that they had 5 million users within five hours. I don't know how that's been trending since. But again, I'm sure it won't continue on that sort of adoption rate. But we'll see where it kind of hits. But Again, I think within a week's time, two weeks time, everyone who's currently going nuts commenting on there, I think that slows down a lot unless for some reason it gains a ton of traction, but I just don't see why it would. The timing of Elon versus Zuck in the Very boxing match is just so good <laughs> with all of this right now. Like it is, We need that to happen. We do need that to happen. The one thing I will say that Instagram surprised me on is this app called Threads, and it's by Instagram, by the way, is built on a something called Fediverse, right? So Fediverse is a social network of different servers operated by third parties that are connected and communicate with each other. Each mm -hmm. server on the Fediverse operates on its own, but can talk to other servers on the Fediverse that run on the same protocol. We plan for Threads to use a protocol called ActivityPub to talk to other servers that support this protocol. So what they're doing here is similar to, you've heard of what, what Lens Protocol does, where you can create an account and you can post on any application, which is on top of Lens Protocol. They're sort of doing the same thing with this Fediverse. Now, I don't know what Fediverse is. I've never heard of it. Most people at Rodham are like, I've never heard of this either, but surprise is a thing. So I don't know what other apps are going to be on top of it, but very interesting. It's sort of like a, I don't know if it's decentralized by any means. I don't really know what this protocol is. But it is the portability and interoperability that we talk about of social. But I just don't know how like open this is, right? Mm -hmm. It does say it's a protocol. And so can any app build on top of that? I'm not sure. Lens protocol, you can. Now, you still don't own your account. It's still, even if you use that protocol, your account is still, it's actually not even just a Threads account. It's your Instagram account it connects to. You can't even change your name. So your name just 
is what your Instagram account name is, which is a little bit odd. And then of course your content is all stored by and saved by Instagram. And they take all your data and they say it very publicly that we take all your data and we're going to use your data. It was interesting. So I don't know what that means or what they're going to do with that. They didn't really say that in any of their like big marketing stuff leading up to it. It was just when you signed up, that's what you saw. So that was kind of a surprise. We'll see where that goes and what that means. I'm sure over the coming weeks. Well, that's because 99% of people don't care about the tech that yeah. is being used in the back end. Unless you're listening to this show, you do like us. So we'll deep dive into that. And if there's anything worth noting there, we'll share it with you guys. Kai, you mentioned they are taking your data. They own your data. Speaking about owning data and sharing data, Elon causing a big ruckus over at Twitter, over data. What's going on at Twitter? Yeah, so interesting tie on the threads launch. I don't know if it was as a result of this or not, but so last week, Twitter came out and said that they are restricting your views of tweets to 600 per day unless you're a Twitter Blue subscriber, which at that point, I think you get like 6,000 per day or whatever if you're verified. Yeah. So people were up in up in arms about this, you know, because I mean, you can go through 600 tweets in a matter of a couple hours and then you're basically banned for the rest of the day, which seems very odd for Twitter to do. They want people, I mean, a social media platform, that's their whole business is get people on the platform and keep them there and then take that data and sell that data or run ads against that data, right? Like that's the whole purpose and that's their entire business model. So it was quite odd to see that Elon would do this. Now, a lot of people were like, well, he just wants people to go and sign up to Twitter Blue, which that's correct. He does want people to go to Twitter Blue. He wants to create more premium-like features if you're paying him $8 a month. I mean, it's a, it's a different business model. <laughs> One day it might allow him to not have to sell as much in ad revenue. Maybe he can do more better things with our data or not touch our data, right? So it is an interesting new model, but I don't think that's the reason he's done it. We actually just wrote a newsletter about this on, uh, I think it was Monday. What he's doing here, in my opinion anyway, is so Elon is creating his own AI. I can't remember the name of it, but he's got his own, it's X something, whatever. He's got his own company. For, X so he's creating his own AI. That's it. Yeah. X.ai. And he, in my opinion, purchased Twitter, not because he cares about social media, but he wants the data because he spent $40 billion to train his AI because he knows that AI is the future. And if he has the most powerful AI, that's trained by you know all of the smartest minds in the world who all use Twitter, then he's going to have a very, very powerful AI. Now, what has been happening is other companies, because Twitter is just an open public application and there's an API to it, other companies can come in and scrape that data and use it. And so Microsoft can use that for open AI. Google can use it for BARD, I believe is what the, the name of theirs is. And there's many other companies out there that we haven't really heard of that are all building these kind of generative AIs. And so Twitter is a valuable, valuable source of data. And Elon wants to be ahead of the game. He wants to have that kind of upper hand on the AI race because he's obviously doing that himself too. And so what he's done here is he's basically charging people to get access to this data. And so now you can't just openly take all the data, scrape it and train your AI. If you want it, you actually have to pay. And it's only $8 a month for personals, but people that are scraping this data are businesses and those are $1,000 a month to be verified. So I think he's doing it to control that, to give him an upper hand. He doesn't care about the social media side of it. I'm sure he wants Twitter to be profitable, but he more cares about his AI because that's the big product and he knows that. So I think that's what he's doing. And this gave an opportunity for Threads to come in and go, okay, you guys can't see all your stuff. You only get 600. Come on over to Threads and tweet as much as you want over here. 
So this race for AI is becoming very heated and I think is going to be a really big deal over the coming years. Yeah, it's uh, very clear that Zuck and Meta pushed the launch of Threads as a result of this. They saw an opportunity and they capitalized on it, which is good for them. The way that Elon is always a step ahead, it's so interesting to get into the mind of a business leader like that. And as you said, he's not motivated. I mean, I shouldn't say he's not motivated by Twitter. I, th I do think he believes that is a public good that serves a very important purpose in the world for communication. I also believe he thinks that Twitter should be decentralized, but he obviously is not making these decisions in order to make Twitter profitable. Maybe it has that impact, maybe not. As you said, he wants to own the biggest AI in the world and Twitter's got the best data. So I wonder if he's his long goal is to make Twitter profitable or it's just let me squeeze as much data as I can out of it and make the next thing profitable as a result. I'm, I'm not sure. I do think, I mean, I know that Mark Zuckerberg in, in Meta is also building an AI. So I think they are also probably using threads to improve their data. Instagram obviously has that, but you don't have a lot of good like in-depth conversations on Instagram. It's just a one-off comment on images. Facebook, of course you do, but a different crowd. And so I think threads is their way to try to get more data just in terms of text and like smart thinkers. We'll see where this goes. I think a lot of this is, like you said, they're thinking ahead of the curve and trying to get to the next thing. So the other piece of news that came out was Google also came out with their change their policy in terms of scraping for data scraping for AI training, which they said that they're going to be doing that for all Google stuff. And that data scraping is going to be used for BARD. And I think they have another one. I forget what it is, but it's going to be used to train their AIs as well. So every big tech company right now is taking your data and training artificial intelligence with it. And that is cool, but super scary. <laughs> Just to sum it up. <laughs> Okay, keep moving along. Pudgy penguins. I mean, I feel like we talk about Pudgy every week. They keep on shipping. Two weeks ago, they came out with their first collectible toy, which was a shark suit. And now this week on July 8th, they are coming out with their second collectible toy, which is a banana suit. This thing is freaking so cute, by the way. Here's what's cool about this. Pudgy is taking an NFT project and they're building a business. And we've talked about this for a while. And the first thing they did was they made mass market toys and they had their very successful launch on Amazon. They sold over $500,000 in toys within 48 hours. And those were mass market. Those are like $5 to $30 toys, little like plushes, little figurines, right? Something you would buy for your kid or you might buy and put on your desk. They're cute little penguins, right? Now, Pudgy also knows that there is big potential in collectible toys. I don't even know what you would call them toys. You probably just call them collectibles. And that is more like these figurines that people will spend hundreds, thousands of dollars on because they're limited supply, they're collectibles. And what have we said from the beginning that is such a great use case for blockchain is authenticity of a physical good. So Pudgy's pioneering that by launching these collectibles, the banana suit, which comes out in, in a few days, as I said, has an NFC chip inside its belly. You scan that chip on your phone and then you can verify authenticity that this figurine is the real deal. It's not a copycat. And you can imagine this has huge use cases across any high value physical good whether it be a collectible or whether it be luxury. We've talked about this with 
Breitling watches, Rolex is looking into this, any high value physical good it makes so much sense to put an NFC chip in it. And then you can verify its authenticity. You can verify, you can see its provenance, who's owned it, how it's transferred over time. Oh, wow. This item was actually owned by somebody famous at one point. So really, really cool to see Pudgy pioneering the use case of blockchain in the physical goods world. You know, what's really cool about it is I was talking to an artist before and she was saying the one weird thing about art, it's like physical art is when you make the physical art and then you sell it. When it gets like sold down the road after that, you, you have no idea to who and when and for how much. And it's like, so you don't really know much unless you're like a massive artist or whatever. And it gets like publicized. And so the cool thing about this is the creators you know, is they get to see who all owns it and when and how much, and like they get to sort of track it along its journey, which is, is super cool. Yeah. And possibly get a royalty, right? And retarget the new customer, right? Yeah. They knew the first customer bought it off them from their store or whatever, but then the person that bought it afterwards, they would never know. But right. now they go, oh, this person over in the UK, you know, bought this. Now I can retarget them. That's super interesting. Which gets into rewards and loyalty. Exactly. It's amazing what you can do with that. Uh, the other really cool thing just to mention about Pudgy is, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, but this banana suit was inspired by one of their NFTs, number 2447. It's literally the one I'm showing on screen right now. It's a Pudgy in a banana suit. And so they licensed from that holder, they licensed this IP. So that holder is getting revenue as a result of Pudgy making this toy. And for those listening, they're like, why are we talking about banana suits and toys? Blah, blah, blah. Look, this is a business that's built for children, obviously, right? Except the cool thing is, is that using Web3 technology, not only can they create digital experiences for the children, or maybe it's the parents or whoever wants to hold on to these things, but you can have some ownership and some IP rights in a children's business if you are not the entrepreneur that started it. That's what's kind of cool about this, right? It's quite interesting. And it's just great to see a once upon a time PFP NFT project where we create a real business and then generate some, let's say, utility or some IP around the things that they created in terms of their NFTs. So that's the goal. Not many do that. I don't even know many other than Pudgy Banquets that's done it, to be honest. Even yeah, Bordy Echo is friends not done the it. only other one that comes up. Right, right. V How did Leap Friends do it? Super simple. When they launched VFriends, they said this gets you three years of tickets to VCon. Didn't they do toys too? They've done toys. Yeah, they've done they've toys. Done toy, yeah. They've done many other things as well. But I asked when friends today. But that's another example. I uh, asked when Nazuki did their thing. I was like, is there any other blue chips out there? Like, who's left? And I didn't get a lot of answers. I think that like the gods has a really strong community. And is definitely building some interesting things with their ID platform that they're building. Right. Okay. But uh, and, still and built nothing from it yet. Right? No value yet. Like no, no value yet. I mean, you guys building really cool games, but they're, but they're not very complex intention. And they're only for a small ecosystem because you have to they're pay to play games. Doodles is doing doodles is good. Some cool stuff. The thing I find with a lot of NFT projects is what they're doing is very confusing. Pudgy is the only one. Everybody gets toys. Like I tell you that they're making a toy and it's a cute penguin. You're like, instantly you understand what the product is, right? Right. Whereas with Doodles, for example, okay, Doodles built, I think it's called Camp Studio. I can't remember the exact name. 
but basically you go in and you can design your own doodle, right? Okay, do you really understand what that product is? Like, why do you want to design your own doodle? What do you even do with that? And it's an NFT at the end. Does a mass market person care about that? No. So you're right. It's tough to find tough to find those projects. Speaking about blue chip projects that are struggling, my favorite project, Moonbirds. Here's the news. Kevin Rose, founder of Moonbirds, came out this week with a state of Moonbirds Twitter thread. Posted on Twitter, not on threads. Uh, it's probably over on threads now too, because I, I actually know Kevin Rose posted this morning that he's on threads and to go follow him. So he basically came out and said, hey, here's a update of where we're at. We're halfway through the year and here's the update. Look, I'm not going to go through the update because this is the main thing that's very, very challenging with any of these NFT PFP projects is when I first bought my Moonbird for eight ETH, wow, probably like wow, 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 15 months ago, their roadmap was to be a metaverse. They were going to build Project High Rise, which is going to be a metaverse. And that was the plan. Okay. And they were going to be an IP. At that point, it was all these big PFP projects were all about owning the IP because people were doing derivative projects using their IP. And then Moonbirds went CC0, which totally shocked everybody and was not a smart move at that time in my mind. And then Moonbirds totally changed their plan and said, we're not a metaverse anymore. We're now art collectors PFP. <laughs> an investor's dream, eh? Imagine being an investor in a company. They're going to build this big tech company yeah. and they, they just come after you invest to go, actually, we're going to be in art. I'd be like, fuck. Which like, okay. Okay. So at first I was like, all right, like the use case of art on chain is massive, right? Sure. You just said it yourself. There's so many reasons why using blockchain with art makes sense, but I'm not an art collector. I'm not trying to be an art collector. So now I have much less value from the community. And how does owning a PFP mean that I get benefits or value or utility to being involved in an art collector community. Like I can't, that's what I can't wrap my head around, right? Unless I'm going to start to get free art airdropped to me constantly, which like, that's not a sustainable business model. So I don't you know. know. Let me just ask you, what are you going to do? You still have this Moonbirds. I think the floor is down to 1.75. I was looking yesterday. Yeah. So that's quite a dip. You going to buy more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not buying more. I am buying ETH in Bitcoin, as everybody should if you're listening to or following our pro reports or attending our AMAs where we talk about what you should be investing in smartly in this market. And if you're not, make sure you go and sign up now because you can get 33% off for life. Anyway, thanks for, for life. What? What a deal. So no, I'm not buying more Moonbirds because it's way too risky of an investment for me. Little Jack doesn't need me doing making decisions like that. Am I going to sell it? I don't know. We got to talk about this. I think next Monday, we got our weekly Twitter space every Monday now at noon Eastern. And Kai, I think the topic should be, should I sell my Moonbird? Let's do it. I'm in. We'll have the debate. Well, I don't know if it's a debate. We'll have a discussion and hopefully the community members can give some their thoughts too. So if you're listening and you have an opinion about Moonbirds or you want to see how you develop opinion about when you should sell or if you should sell or if you should should buy or double down. We'll have that conversation on Monday at 12 o'clock. Sounds like- And not just Moonbirds. Like I think that like, we'll have the conversation about Moonbirds, but we will frame it in a way that you could use 
this framework or thought process for any NFT PFP that you're in, because I think everybody's in those right now. And there's a view of now is when a lot of people will sell because it's so scary. But is this the best time to sell at the bottom of the market? Usually, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't know if it's the bottom. What if it goes What if it goes down to like 0.1 ETH? It could. It could. <laughs> Dude, definitely. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. We'll speculate on that on Monday at 12 p.m. Make sure to join us, guys, if you're around. Bring your coffee. What's going on over at uh, our friends over at Seed Club, Kai? Yeah, so Seed Club is a... They do accelerators for Web3 crypto companies. And this time they are doing there's a little bit different. What they're running today or what they're running now is called the Consumer Crypto Accelerator. So basically what they're trying to do is find the companies or the protocols, the applications that are being built that are going to onboard millions of users, right? They're saying that crypto needs consumer apps. Art is great, but it's not necessarily the thing that's going to bring millions or billions of people, right? PFPs, sure, that might have some potential, not going to bring billions of people, at least not right now far from that being the case. Money itself, DeFi, that's not going to bring billions of people, right? That brings institutions, which is great. It's not going to bring what we really want in this space. And so Seed Club has gone out to try to figure out, okay, well, what are the big consumer apps going to be? What are sort of the pillars, I guess, of that? They've broken it down to three things. But before I go through those three things, they have a vision of sort of how the internet is changing. And the things that they're really adamant about that they want to see moving forward is users are owners new coordination economic superpowers that impact real people, and the digital objects and permissionless creation make the internet a culturally rich place with exploring and inhabiting. So it's a more immersive, personalized, and ownable internet, essentially, which is our sort of definition of Web3 as well. So the three sort of pillars that they found that they think are going to be the big things that onboard people into the space is one, on-chain media is social media. Okay. And we'll talk a little bit what that means in just a second. Then they have creators have superpowers. So basically giving new ways of monetization for creators. And the third one is NFTs, but as platforms, not as like PFPs. So we'll break those down a little bit and I'll start Jay and then we'll, we'll get into, and then I'll let you finish up. So the first one is on-chain media is social media. What does that mean? Basically what they're saying is right now we think of social media as like comments, as posts, whether it be video, image, text. You can even think of it as somewhat as like podcasts and things. It's all kind of around social. What they're saying is that interactions that people take on chain are also social type content. So on chain media, right? And that could be buying something that allows you to go into a community. Moonbirds, right? The Jay selling his Moonbird, if we decide that on Monday, that is a form of media that's called on-chain media. And we think that that's going to be a really big deal because it will play in well along with the typical social media we know. So like you're on Twitter, people are talking about things, but mixed into that is also the interactions and the transactions that people are taking online. doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, when you buy your underwear on Amazon, that doesn't have to be part of it, but there will be some things that are really cool that you might want to share. And oftentimes people do, they buy something, they take a picture, and then they share it on social anyway. This skips all that and it just goes right to the root of that transaction or that thing. And remember, it's more than just payments will happen on chain. There's going to be a lot of things happening on chain, whether that's connections and followers and creating content and joining communities and whatever else. Okay. And so I think a big thesis of theirs is that that is going to be a big part of onboarding millions of people into the space. And so one of the apps that they have for this is called Interface, which is the social on-chain activity feed. It's basically where you can follow your friends and explore their on-chain identities. Think of following someone on Twitter, 
and seeing everything that they post. This is following something on chain, so following their wallet and seeing the interactions they're doing. And it allows you to discover kind of new things that's happening on chain. In particular, this one is on Ethereum. We've talked about this, something similar with Zapper, where they have sort of an activity feed for on-chain interactions where you can follow people. Same idea. And I think there's going to be a bunch of applications building this because I think it is going to be a really, really big thing as more things move on chain. Right now, it's not like the coolest thing in the world. There's not a ton of information you get from it, but I think soon enough, that will be the case. And then especially when they add in things like commenting on those on-chain interactions or liking or sharing or collecting or whatever else, I think that's going to be really, really cool. The next one is creator superpowers. And this is basically just creators getting to do more with their content or the things that they're creating. The big highlight here is, is a, a company called Pods. And Pods is a platform for podcast collectibles where you can collect episodes, support your favorite podcasters, and be part of internet conversation history. The big thing about podcasts is like, when we post this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we have no interaction with our listeners at all. That's what we always have to tell you, like hit us up on Twitter or go into Discord. Like You actually have to go to a different platform. Spotify is like sort of innovating here where you can do polls and we can ask questions, but like we can't message you back. We can't really do much to our audience. And so it's quite frustrating. And then also there's sometimes that certain episodes can be really cool. People might want to collect them or save them for later. And you just don't have that kind of functionalities. So pods is basically a way to create NFTs out of your episodes. So we of course know about article NFTs using mirror paragraph. We've talked about that. We know like social content on lens is all NFTs. Now we're working to do the same thing on podcasts. And actually this is the creator of this is Lucas, who we've had on the podcast. He used to be part of Bankless. He stepped away from Bangladesh and has now created um, pods. So congrats to Lucas, first of all, but uh, really excited for this. So podcast NFTs can be a big thing. What's the third one, Jay? Yeah, the third one is NFTs as platforms. So we've seen in the past cycle that really the way that NFTs took off was as speculative assets. And that is not the long-term potential of NFTs. There's something much bigger at play here and that is using NFTs as the tech to enable an experience, to enable a product, not as the product itself. And so they've got a handful of companies that are going to be doing, looking to do that. Honestly, looking through the companies that they talk about, it's difficult to understand what these companies are doing because these are all startups. They haven't actually built anything yet. But I think that what we have seen and we've talked about on the show before is that you can use NFTs in so many different ways. We recently had the founders from uh, Mintage on the show who are using NFTs in order to bring vintage apparel on chain. Vintage apparel is something that there's a massive market for. Kai, you and I are not involved in that market, but people love to collect old t-shirts, old pairs of jeans, famous pairs of jeans that somebody wore, Madonna wore or something like that, right? My jeans are like eight years old at least. I don't buy new jeans. That's vintage, no? They're vintage. Yeah, yeah. So so what we're going to do is we're gonna actually going to auction off a <laughs> pair of Kyle's jeans. Don't worry, he doesn't fart that often, only <laughs> now and then. So his stink stamp is only a little stink bit. Stamp. I've heard that before. <laughs> so yeah, I, look, Everything that C Club is doing is a constant signal. They're great at seeing forward. They're great at yeah. seeing what's next. And they understand 
what should be built in this space. And so they're not only supporting the businesses, but they're great to follow because you can see where the puck is headed as a result of what they're focused on with their next cohort. Yeah. They had over 250 applicants and they chose 10, by the way. So you can just see the numbers that they have. All right. What's next, Jay? we got to move along here. We'll do this one real quick. So Ubisoft just recently announced that they, and they showed a, a teaser video for a new blockchain that they, or blockchain game, sorry, they have called Champions Tactics. And it's built on Oasis Games blockchain. Never heard of it. We asked on Twitter to see if anyone else did and no one had really heard of it. So I don't know why they chose that or what the situation is there. Maybe it's like their own chain that they're making. It's a proof of stake chain. That's really all we know. But I don't know anything else that's built on it. But Ubisoft is massive, hundreds of millions of users. And this game doesn't seem like it's going to be like the big time hit game, but it's a game. It's probably their like experiment. They're not even calling it blockchain game though. They were calling it experimental game in their Twitter. What's interesting is when they launched this and they they shared this trailer, gamers for whatever reason just absolutely hate NFTs. And uh, all the comments were, hey, say what it is. This is, looks like blockchain. This smells like NFTs, blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny that NFTs are here to help give you ownership of the assets you're buying instead of you keep getting screwed by these games. And it's like they just can't wrap their heads around that because they think it's games trying to sell them more things. When it's not, they're just trying to sell them the same thing, but actually give them ownership rather than sell them something that they don't own. I don't know why they can't wrap their heads around that, but if you're a gamer, please start teaching other gamers what the heck these things are and why this is useful for you. Because why would you buy something in game that can get rugged or like that just you don't own? when you can buy the same thing, but that you do own it. Of course, that makes more sense. It's like, if you live in a house, probably want to own that house rather than pay the same amount, but not own it and not be able to sell it when you're done with it. doesn't make any sense, but these gamers have not wrapped their heads around that yet. And that's fine. Many people have not. Hopefully they will listen to Web3 Academy because that's our goal to tell people to wrap their heads around this. That's nice, Kai. Let's get all the gamers to wrap their heads around NFTs. Man, it's taken me a while to wrap my head around it. So I understand. Well, it doesn't help when you have all these shit NFTs and you have a Zuki just creating crap and it does not help. That's for sure. Okay. Let's talk about somebody that's doing something innovative and cool in the space, which is Dior. So Dior is one of the largest luxury fashion brands in the world. They're underneath the LVMH umbrella. And LVMH has been a real leader in blockchain innovation and experimenting with using blockchain within their luxury products. And so Dior is just the next one. What they're doing is just an experimentation. So they're launching a Dior sneaker, which is going to have a NFC chip within the sneaker in order to prove authenticity. That's it. They sort of teased that there might be something else. You might get access, but they didn't say what that access was. Maybe there will be rewards. Here's the thing. You're buying a Dior sneaker that is the same as any other Dior sneaker. It's going to be priced at $1,200. Most Dior sneakers are priced at $1,200. That's nothing new. Okay. The only difference is now your Dior sneaker also has an NFC chip in it. You can scan it and you can prove that it's a real Dior sneaker. Great, like that's important. And that alone is enough of a reason to use blockchain if you're a luxury fashion company in my mind. But here's the additional is, let's say you scan it. Well, down the road, Dior could activate you in some way. They could engage with you in some way. They could bring you in. They could give you access community. They could give you access to an event. They could give you access to a fashion show. They could give you access to be the first to purchase their next sneaker. There's so much potential with this. So look, it's great to see these fashion companies 
And isn't it so interesting that sneakers, like, you know, we got Adidas, we got Puma, we got Nike. Sneakers is like leading the blockchain world in fashion. Three or four weeks ago when we had T-Pain on, this was, we said it was the sneaker wars or whatever. And yeah. for whatever reason, it's sneakers that are really crushing this. But I wonder, sneakers aren't always sold in their own stores, right? They're often sold from like other stores too, yeah. which tells you that these companies then don't have data on their customers, right? It's like when you sell something on Amazon, you don't have any data on them. And so by putting the NFC chip in there, it's a way to like bring those physical customers into the digital world. And now again, you have their data, let's call it, but you have who they are and you can start to do things for them. And so it's a win-win, right? Like it's amazing for the companies to use NFTs here because they get to know who their customers are from anywhere in the world. And then it's great for the users because they get extra benefits and perks as a result of this, right? And it's all done digitally. So it's an obvious fit. And I think it won't be just sneakers that this happens for it'll eventually be i mean it's already happened with toys i think it happens with everything why wouldn't you do this right here's the amazing thing that i think everyone needs to understand about this the key here tech is the nfc chip it's the hardware that is being put into these goods we talk about this all the time pudgy is doing this and these nfc chips are so small I wouldn't say inexpensive yet but they will be very inexpensive as they become more mass produced so there's a very low barrier to entry for these companies to do this. The only real barrier to entry is the actual user experience of like scanning it and then, oh, right now you need to get a wallet. You need to set up a seed phrase. Don't yeah, there's better UX of wallets where you don't even really have to go through all that stuff and it just kind of auto gives you a wallet, but it feels more like an account, not a, exactly. not a typical MetaMask wallet. But then it's also like, what are the experiences that come after that? We don't really have those. As Metaverse gets drawn out more, then you can give them the shoe in the metaverse too. And you can do, you know, give them so many more things. You don't really have a ton of that digitally yet, but there's still, of course, plenty you can do. Like you said, tickets to events and discounts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This is why I keep saying that we're in the first inning. So we don't have the rest of the game yet where you can go hit home runs and you can do all this cool stuff. We only have like the first ride at the carnival right? You can't mm-hmm. go to the rest of the carnival. We're building that, the rest of it. And you are going to be able to do that. And users are going to be able to gauge that. So the best thing you can do right now, if you're a business, is start to play in the sandbox so that you learn this and understand this. Because when the rest of that festival is is there, the rest of that carnival is available, if you already have some of your customers' wallet addresses, you already have some tokens in their hand, you are way ahead. You are able to capitalize in a way that other businesses And so are your customers, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, let's get into some quick hits. We got a free mint that is innovating in sports in a really cool way. We're going to talk about Blur Season 2, Solana co-founder in the quick hits. But before we do, let's hear from our sponsor. Did you know that Web3 users lose billions of dollars every year due to phishing attacks? If you've been in the space long enough, then you or someone you know has probably fallen victim to one of these scams. This is why we've partnered with WAG, your guardian in this digital wilderness. WAG is a tool designed to help you spot the difference between malicious links and legit ones. With WAG, you can rest easy knowing that every link you click on is safe. This is an absolute game changer for Web3. As part of our partnership with WAG, we'll be using their platform to create verifiable links so that our community feel safe, knowing that what they're clicking on is the real deal. And if you don't have a community to protect and you're just looking to protect yourself, WAG has you covered with safe stops, which tell you exactly who created the link you're clicking on. Head to the link in the description, click it, see that it's verified by Web3 Academy, 
and start protecting yourself today. Just use the code FREE1000 when signing up. And if you're among the first 1,000 users, you'll get free access for life. Guys, if you're a user in Web3, you've probably seen phishing attacks. WAG is actually the solution to this. That's why we partnered with them. I know we already just explained this in the ad, but I gotta say it again live here. Please, please, please go sign up to that if you are ever sharing links because you're an NFT project, you're any company in Web3, please use that. It gets rid of Bitly, it gets rid of Linktree, all that, and it does it in a verifiable way and you got to verify with your wallet on chain. So it's really a Web2 application in terms of like links are not anything to do with Web3, but they're using blockchain tech to verify. It's awesome, awesome project. Please go do that. And if you're just a user, download it because you can start to report links and help others so they don't get fished as well. So we need to onboard more people. And again, use that code because you get a free for life. So I don't know how many, if we've reached that thousand yet, but go do that and take advantage of that. All right, community member of the month. This month, the winner is Wanzi. Wanzi is a co-founder of Web3 Academy DAO. He leads up the branding and marketing guild. And he's just an absolute beautiful human, but a real real leader in how Web3 is transforming marketing. He wrote a five-step marketing plan for how you can use Web3 to create engagement with your brand. And if you want to get that five-step plan from him, go check him out on Twitter, give him a follow, give him a shout out, because Wanzi is a community member that we are so grateful for. Thanks for everything you do, Wanzi. Congrats on winning. Twitter is at Wanzi, J-U-A-N-Z-I-E underscore. So check that out. All right, quick hits. We got to wrap up here. So we'll only go through a few of them, Kai. First up, the Solana co-founder says Ethereum could be a layer two on Solana. Yeah, that's the headline that uh, was this decrypt went with. That's not how the situation went. So there was a Anatoly, who's the founder of Solana. He wrote a thread answering if it was possible for Solana to become a layer two on Ethereum. Technically, like in the technical components of it, could this actually work? Does this make sense for Solana to do this tokenomic wise, technical wise? Like, would this like make the system obsolete because it'd be slower or what? So he basically just like wrote this in depth thread. It was hard for even me to read and understand of if it was possible. The TLDR was sure it's possible, doesn't really make sense. So he's not going to do it. And actually what ended up coming from this was he also flipped it and said, well, what about Ethereum becoming a layer two on Solana? And his thesis anyway, in terms of the technical aspect, was that it would be better for Ethereum to become a layer two of Solana. So this headline is just completely false. You might've seen it spread around Twitter. It's not the case. Solana's not becoming a layer two on Ethereum anytime soon. And my best guess would be probably never. I'm going to guess never. I think they just quit before they would do that. All right. <laughs> Next up, Blur S2 changes. What's going on? Or V2 changes? Yeah, so... Blur is in uh, season two of their rewards and token incentives, and they have just extended it again indefinitely, which has caused even more issues in the NFT market because Blur has a lot of action and a lot of token farming happens on Blur as a result of people trying to benefit from their season two incentives. Uh, And so they made some announcements. Look, they got a lot of backlash and feedback from this, be- mainly because people want them to end season two so that they can farm their tokens and get out, which is tells you how bad of a space that we are in. But they did do something that was cool in this new announcement is they announced trait bidding. Trait bidding is basically within Blur, what you can do now is you can bid on traits within a collection. So 
right now what you can do is if you want to buy and within an NFT collection, like like I have a Moonbird and my Moonbird is not a, a rare Moonbird. It's like a middle of the road Moonbird. You could only in Blur buy the most by the floor of a collection. But with trade bidding, you can bid on the rare items within a collection. So you could bid on the rarest Moonbird or you could bid on, and not just one Moonbird, like all the ones at a certain rare level or all the ones at a medium rare level. So being able to bid on rarity is a big deal actually within a marketplace where rarity is such a key aspect of it. So shout out to Blur for continuing to innovate in the marketplace way and the user experience of a marketplace. I think they've done an incredible job with that. Not so great that as a result of them extending season two, people got upset and there was a lot of rage quitting that happened. That's not ideal when the NFT market is already in a free fall. Okay, we got our free mint of the week. Before we wrap up here, the free mint of the week is Artball. Artball is a project that came out of AO Metaverse, which is a company that we actually had on the podcast about a year ago because they started by doing art ball at the Australian Open, one of the Grand Slam tennis tournaments that happens in January. And now their next project is they're doing art ball at the 2023 US Women's Open, uh, which is the UPGA golf tournament, one of the largest golf tournament for women in the world that is happening next week and today. Well, if you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday on July 6th, you can mint this art ball for free. Now, what is this? This art ball is a very cool combination of tech and sport. So basically, there's going to be 3,010 of these art balls and they all connect to a plot on hole 17 of the golf course. So throughout this tournament, as the women are hitting their golf balls, wherever their golf ball lands is connected to a plot that you own. So you basically own a piece of that hole 17. And as balls land on your piece, your art ball is created. So it creates a very unique piece of art. It's basically a generative piece of art using blockchain as a way to create that art. So it's a really cool way. And this is what's so interesting is we're seeing all of these fantastic ways to connect art on chain with these major, in this case, these major sporting events. So shout out to the USPGA and to Artball for innovating. We just had a community member mention that you have to pay about $10 in gas to mint the art ball. There's always going to be gas. So it's not technically a free mint, but all free mints are going to require you to pay a little bit of gas in order to mint them. So go check it out. We'll have the link in the show notes if you want to go and mint this art ball. That's a wrap on today's show. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening in. We had a great time with everybody. Remember, grab your GoPro discount right now, 33% off for life if you go pro. And then when you're pro, we'll make sure to give you all of the on-chain analysis that you need to capitalize on your investing in the space as well as your building in the space. Join us next Monday in our Twitter space, 12 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on Twitter. And next Monday, we'll be talking about should I sell 
my Moonbird. Oh boy, that's going to be a big one. Down bad, but important when you're down to make these hard decisions and decide if you should sell or should you stay. You always have to have a thesis behind your investments. We're going to talk about my thesis and what I should be doing for my next steps. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.